Analyzing now. Stand clear. Komið sæl og velkomin í bráðar. Dagur tvö á námstefnunni á vakt fyrir Íslandi tilengaður utan spítala þjónustu. Við munum taka upp hér í dag svo það getur vel verið að þið heyrið í Lúkas hamast á bakvið okkur eða hefðið háum hælum sem smella taktvast í flísarnar hér á Reykjavík Hotel Natura Reykjavík, eða hvað það heitir. En við látum þannig ekki þörfla okkur. Viðtölin sem við byrtum hérna á námstefnunni eru stutt og nokkur skona ágrip á þeim fyrirlestrum sem að viðkomandi viðmælandi hefur haldið hér á námstefnunni. Bráðaspið er sem fyrr í góðu samstarfi við landsamandslökkulis og sjúkraflindingamanna. Þið munum svo að fylgja okkur á hlaðvarsveitanum ykkar svo þið missin og örugglega ekki af nýjum þáttum. Einn er hægt að senda okkur, eða fylgja okkur, segja á Facebook og Instagram. En þið getið líka að senda okkur post á bráðaspið að bráðaspið.is. Við erum nýlega farin að breyta upp á þeim nýjungum að deila með ykkur greinum og alls konar fróðleik á Facebook sem er gaman að En að fyrsta viðmæranda dagsins, Dr. Richard Leon, bráðalæknir og sérfræðingur í utanspítalaþjónustu hjá Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh og þyrlulæknir á hemstyrtlanum í London, hélt virkilega áhugaverðan fyrirlustur á námstefnum á vakt fyrir Ísland í dag. Já, þetta var ókefi skrín hana. Þar fór hann yfir það hvernig hemstyrtlunna virka, hvaða yngripuðu beita og hvaða áfinningur eru þeirra störfum. Við fengur Richard til að sitja staðs niðum okkur í bráðarspinu og farast duttlega yfir það hvernig málum er hátt so welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here and nice to be back in Iceland. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, first and foremost, who are you and where are you from? Uh, so my name is Richard. I'm uh, an emergency physician from the UK. I have a very privileged job in that I split my time half working in an emergency department, actually up in Edinburgh in Scotland, and the other half working as the associate medical director on the air ambulance at the other end of the country in Kent, Surrey and Sussex, which is the southeast uh, corner of the UK. Okay, that's nice to hear. Uh, well, I would like to ask you about uh, the different, uh, the differential between uh, your way of things with with the Hems helicopter and our Icelandic way, uh, where we where we uh, use our Coast Guard as uh, the main hel primary helicopter for sure. the only helicopter sure. transporting patients, uh, where we have you, you talked a lot about your teamwork, yeah. where you have like doctor and paramedics working together. Uh, on the other hand, here in Iceland we have a doctor on board, and then we have like four or five guys doing their own thing, helping obviously the doctor, but not maybe being like the medical team that you are. Sure. Um, so I guess the main difference is, um, I mean, there are some big differences and not so big differences that, you know, in Iceland here you have, you know, you have the aircraft, you have the doctor on board, and you mm -hmm. have a lot of capability there. What we have is a dedicated aircraft that is only going to primary missions so that's the first thing this aircraft is not being used on any form uh, so search and rescue, so search and rescue or anything no. like that yeah. um, it is used on some secondary transfer missions okay. but only the very urgent ones yeah. and we in the UK believe 
quite strongly in this doctor paramedic model and what we do with that is we really think well what do our patients need in terms of intervention at the scene mm -hmm. and the HEMS aircraft is really focused on bringing those interventions that a normal land ambulance cannot do mm -hmm. so we want to be bringing those very high-end interventions so for example that might be a pre-hospital anesthetic might be giving someone a transfusion of blood products so it could be red cells or plasma yeah. might be doing emergency surgery for example yeah so for some of those procedures in the uk we have to have a doctor yeah. uh, the doctor does the surgery the doctor can give the anesthetic but actually we couple that when with the expertise of the paramedic who is used to working in the pre-hospital settings used to doing extrication for example used to packaging the patient and what we then have is a team that is capable of doing everything the patient needs i think the advantage of having the team it's okay yeah. <laughs> oh well <laughs> The advantage of having the team uh, is that you can kind of feed off each other a bit. If you just have a doctor, actually, and you have a, a group of people that don't understand what that doctor is doing, mm -hmm. it's difficult for them to assist him. It's also difficult to have one shared mental model. So mm -hmm. sometimes you're thinking, what is wrong with this patient? Are they bleeding? Are they not? Do they need an anesthetic? Do they, do they not? Can we go to the local hospital? Do we need to go to the specialist hospital? And what having the team does is allow like two minds to think as one instead of the doctor being isolated in his decision making. And we spend a lot of time training this crew resource management like pilots do mm -hmm. in terms of being able to challenge one another. We contribute to each other, but also question their decisions and things. All right. You talked a bit about uh, uh, now you're mentioning uh, rehearsing and, and doing things uh, train like a fight right yeah uh, checklist yeah that's something you use quite a lot right yeah we use a lot of checklists um, just something as basic in the morning so when we're checking the aircraft you just want to make sure all the equipment is there it's quite straightforward right you don't want to forget a piece of equipment so that's use right. a checklist and again we use a check and response checklist so it's not one person doing the check themselves mm -hmm. because there is a risk that you miss something one person reads the checklist and checks and the other person then confirms that the item is there so it's proper two-man checklist we take it one step further though so for example the pre-hospital anesthetic the checklist for us is almost like a protected 90 seconds of of time before you do this critical procedure that's just you and your paramedic doing this check and it's really like the psychological preparation for doing the procedure. Mm -hmm. And we found that to be very, very important and you have all the stress of the incident and the drama and the rush. And then you just pause and you do the checklist and that's like you're resetting everything, you're focusing, you're concentrating. Mm -hmm. And at the, right at the end of the checklist, then you do the procedure. And we find that's are very important for the psychological preparation and for the safety of, of what we do. Yeah, all right. Um, I was wondering when you held your lecture, what's the benefit, the most beneficial thing of, of the HEMS helicopter? Is it, is it the, the time that you're gaining while transporting a patient from a scene to the hospital 
or is it that actually that you're getting like an ICU almost to this patient out in the street? Sure. What's what's the biggest ben benefit of that? Yeah. So I think maybe a few years ago, I would have said the big benefit is just speed. A helicopter is just a way of getting from point A to point B really fast. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, we can get to these patients very quickly, which means we can do the interventions very quickly, as opposed to taking a long time before we get there. So we like to think of it as the emergency department coming out to the patient. Yeah. So that is the first thing. The team, with their capability, getting to the scene very fast. The next phase, of course, is just the reverse, is then getting the patient to the specialist center, the hospital, the CT scanner, the operating theater, mm -hmm. as fast as possible. And again, that's another really nice way of getting them very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, though, I would add in one more element, and that is the ability to do medical interventions on the aircraft. Yeah. So up until now, we have everything in like backpacks and we do everything on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, but it's more challenging when the weather is bad, it's more challenging in the dark, and it takes time. We're on the scene of the road for a long time. If we can set up the aircraft in such a way that allows us to do procedures in the aircraft, that way we can actually yeah not be out in the rain we have light and we can move the patient at the same time yeah so that's the third element is the ability to undertake critical medical procedures in the cab of the aircraft right I've, i thought it was very interesting when you talked about time in your lecture that you mentioned that sometimes you skip ed when you arrive at the hospital go straight to ct yeah. is that is that like a, 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 a new thing for you guys or is it something you've been working on for some time. Yeah, we've been doing that for several years now, okay. and we have the kind of luxury of always going to essentially one of four major trauma centers. Mm -hmm. And one in particular, uh, we've worked very, very closely with to establish these protocols. And what that allows us, because the patient has already had that yeah, life-saving yeah, intervention, yeah. actually there's no need to go to the ED in a lot of yeah. them. Sometimes there is, so if the patient is very unstable and they need more blood or they need a kind of other assessment there may be a need but we they always ask us that in advance but mm -hmm. the default so what we all assume is that we're going into the scanner and actually when the lift comes down from the helipad right at the bottom of the lift is a scanning room and the trauma team wait there we do the same handover if there's something that needs done we can tell them to do it there mm -hmm. We hand over to uh, the anaesthetist, for example, takes over the ventilation. We can transfer onto their monitoring. We can transfer onto their drugs if needed. And then we just do the scan. Yeah. And that way, within 10, 15 minutes of ever arriving at hospital, mm -hmm. you know what the injuries are and you can plan accordingly. And if they're yeah, stable and don't need anything too urgent, and then they can go to the ED and have a fuller workup. Mm -hmm. But for those patients that need immediate surgery, it might be neurosurgery, it might be damage control surgery in the chest, abdomen, yeah. they can just go straight to the theater and save a lot of time. Yeah, of course. Well, like you said, we always have to, you, you have to be, you have to be, uh, the stable, a patient has to be stable before we do that, right? Uh, just a little statistics, how many calls per year do you get on, the, on your helicopter? So we average about two and a half thousand missions yeah. per year. And of that we see in the region of 1,800 patients. Okay. 
So the discrepancy is we have in the region of about 25 to 30% stand down rate. And you may say, wow, is that, that's quite high or something. Mm. Actually, that's probably about right for our system because we will launch very early. So as soon as we have information from a 112 caller that this could be a bad incident, mm -hmm. we will just launch and get moving, yeah. save time. If the land ambulance arrive and they give us a scene update that the patient is not badly injured or it's not so bad, it's no problem. We can just turn around and go back to base. It's yeah. just a bit of fuel we've spent but we'd rather be moving towards it. So that would go as a stand down. It's not a failure, just means we didn't need to go to the mission. I'm just wondering, I would like to get your take on, on you know, here in Iceland, we only are 330,000 approximately, some yeah. tourists as well. Uh, would it be uh, a good idea for us to to have an, a HEMS helicopter like you, like you have in, in the UK? Do you think you, that we would actually see enough patience to keep us, you know, uh, up to date sure the quick answer is yes yeah. i think uh you know i spend a chunk of my time working in scotland and it's it's very similar you have a sparse population over a very large geographical area and that's when time becomes even more important obviously because otherwise the road distances go into hours and hours yeah, and hours of course. and whilst major trauma yes of course it's quite rare But what we mustn't forget is all the medical events. So all of those patients that you're having, you know, cardiac, uh, acute coronary syndromes, uh, patients having stroke, patients having sepsis, mm. can all benefit from exactly the same early pre-hospital intervention um, from an advanced team, whether it's, you know, diagnostics to accurately diagnose a stroke and then take them to the right hospital where they can have thrombolysis or thrombectomy mm. to the case of sepsis where they may need a central line put in to give them, you know, good fluid resuscitation and inotropes and early antibiotics. It's the same concept of bringing forward these critical interventions as close as possible to the time of the incident, whether it's medical or trauma. Yeah. Just the last question. Uh, You were asked by a, by an audience uh, by the audience uh, about your take on uh, on the training for for medical professionals, uh, like uh, the one from Kirkjubaikluster, which is an easy nouns, easy word for you to pronounce, right? Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to try. <laughs> well, she asked about uh, about education for for medical workers. Uh, do you think that we should train our healthcare staff around the country in doing all these interventions that you do in, in London? Yeah, so I think, of course, you know, not every healthcare provider is being able to do well, the well, advanced stuff. Of course not. But what, uh, I completely agree that when you have a very rural population mm -hmm. that healthcare workers may be the first on the scene of a big emergency and of course that it would be useful to train them in some basic procedures. And actually, it's not that difficult to, pr to train a local nurse or local hospital, um, sorry, general practitioner, family doctor, mm -hmm. in life-saving interventions. It might just be how to manage an airway or how to stop catastrophic hemorrhage and give them some basic equipment like a tourniquet and some uh, trauma dressings. And then it's about looking at the system and saying, well, Who else in the system would be around to deliver things like 
the anesthesia or where could the blood, co blood come from and that's the advantage of having the helicopter in that they can be bringing that expertise from from far away yeah. but of course training the local healthcare providers in basic emergency management is a great idea well Richard thank you so much for joining us here in Parola Arpit <laughs> thank you so much and thank you for visiting Iceland and, and had, having a lecture here in Iceland you're very welcome thanks very much thanks